successful media and public affairs consultant, accomplished entrepreneur and national writer and contributor, attorney who served in the Missouri House of Representatives, worked in the White House and CNN, thought leader, entrepreneur, and host who takes the conversation to the next level. Prepare to get rare access to fascinating guests. You're connected. You have the it factor. You've joined Grill Nation. Connect with Jason on Twitter at Jason Grill. Connect with the show on Twitter at Grill Nation Show. And online at GrillNationShow.com. Welcome your host of Grill Nation. Always dressed up and ready to go even in a radio studio. Here's Jason Grill. Hello and welcome to Grill Nation on Talk 980 AM and Talk980AM.com. Appreciate you joining us as well today on iTunes. Uh, Stitcher Radio, as well as at GrillNationShow.com. Big show today. Excited to have on our uh, one of our title sponsors of the show, Bank of Kansas City. Their website is BankofKansasCity.com. Michael Viazzoli, President and CEO, will be joining me today alongside uh, Neil Sharma, who is the President, CEO, Founder, all those good things at DEG. Uh, he's going to be joining us as well. He's been on the show a few years ago, I think when we started as Entrepreneur KC, but today is going to be a totally different uh, segment and uh, going to be a lot of fun. And he's he's a great guy and a, very involved here in Kansas City. So I'm excited that Michael is bringing him on the show today. I want to thank our partners and supporters of Grill Nation. Our title sponsors of the show, again, are Bank of Kansas City, Trusts, and Two West Advisors and Ryan Rink. I want to also thank our on-air contributors and supporters as well. Okay, guys, welcome to the studio. We have Michael Viazzoli and Neil Sharma. How are you? Good, good morning. Thank you. Yeah. It's good to see you guys. Uh, we're here on Valentine's Day week, so hopefully you guys uh, got everything you needed to do, right? So this Out is a dating way. show, right? So you <laughs> okay, brought me so on for my dating yes, advice, we're right? having three people come in here in two minutes. Right. No. <laughs> All giving, right, exactly. I only have, only have one piece of dating advice, which is don't do it while you're married. That's the only dating advice I have. It's not a dating show? <laughs> no. Oh, okay. Talking politics? No? We'll talk about anything. It's just a good thing. It's a conversation. How about the KU game this week? Yes, uh, right? we can talk about that too. Nailbiter. Nailbiter. They, it's a sports uh, they, show they now. keep winning. I love sports, so we'll do it. Uh, Michael, you're a contributor, title sponsor of the show. Big week for you guys. Uh, your conversion is happening with uh, Missouri Bank, correct? Right, right. Talk to us about that. So, it was, um, you know, in... Um, End of November, we closed on the acquisition of Missouri Bank and Trust. Big news. And that locally. was a big deal for us. You know, if you think about it, it's a $100 million investment in our community, which feels really good. And, um, you know, we're part of BOK Financial, which is a $33 billion institution. And locally now with, with MoBank, we're about a billion seven, which puts us in a really good spot for our mm-hmm. core market. And um, so we've been planning through, for the integration of all the different systems. And that's happening now, this weekend, and um, um, got a lot of focus on it. And, um, you know, all the pieces are coming together. We feel really good about how that's going to go. Um, you know, there are going to be hiccups, but we're also ready for what those hiccups are, and we've got extra people on staff. And that is really exciting from us and our evolution here in Kansas City for about 10 years. I mean, MoBank's been around for a lot longer than that, but be okay. And then Bank of Kansas City. And... Um, you know, so so we're finally going to be able to say, how are we going to now continue to service this market as a combined organization? And uh, that's really exciting when you think about banking can be pretty boring, um, but I think it's still a very admirable 
area and all of us are committed and focused on it. So it's, mm-hmm. yeah, it's going to be and, a big. And as a, a person who banks at Missouri Bank, I've been getting all of the notices yep. about the changes. They're not going to be very many on my end because I'm not, you know, super wealthy and don't have thousands of bank accounts that are, you know, where I pay for everything. But um, it is kind of nice to have that constant touch still from, from Missouri Bank. Uh, and then, obviously, they're going to be offering a ton more things, working with you guys, and how that whole thing went down. And well, MoBank and it's it's just it, it was just it is a great business and a great group of people. And Grant Bertram, who I think many of us know personally, I've gotten to know quite well over the last eighteen months. Uh, just a real solid character, and that shines through in everything that they do. Mm-hmm. And we made a conscientious decision that um, we are not going to change that model. Uh, if you can see it in the branding. We've assumed the branding. We've assumed a lot of the processes that and how they operate the bank. But more importantly, we're keeping kind of how a lot of the local decisions are made. And we're keeping all the folks that built MoBank involved with MoBank. It's not the typical big bank buy smaller bank, you know, and decimate it with procedure and process and Mm -hmm. get rid of everybody. We are looking at it as a merger here on the local market. And when you match up with, what they have historically been strong on the consumer side with the branches, which are awesome, the people that deal with entrepreneurs and small businesses, um, and then combine that with what Bank of Kansas City historically has done. It's it's pretty compelling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm excited about it. It's gonna oh, be cool. Just to, just I can't because wait. Of, you know, just because I got to know this guy over the last few years, and I had already worked with the people and gone to Bank of Kansas or uh, Missouri Bank down in the crossroads yep. in downtown, and so it's cool to have two great people aligning in companies. Well, I mean, I, I will say that uh, you, you shouldn't sell yourself short. Banking can be very, very exciting on occasion. If you're but, uh, money all the time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but what I will say Mobile is – banking has taken over, though. They, that's and, true. And so now I feel like you I, don't even I, have to I, go. I, don't, I don't walk into the locations anymore, and I no. feel bad. So when you call up the people when you're opening an account, they're like, where have you been the last five years? Well, I haven't needed to come in because that's, I've been – do everything on my mobile. That's true. And actually, if you stop and think about it, when, when you look at it, where banking's going, since you don't go into a lot of branches very much, what is a bank other than a brand mm-hmm. and a trust? And I will say what's really exciting in the Bank of Kansas City when that was announced, and, and Michael, you got into this a little bit, is you know what Grant and Missouri Bank was really well known for is a great footprint among the Kansas City entrepreneurial community, mm-hmm. small business community, the entrepreneurial community. Yep. Uh, they went above and beyond to try to reach out to that community and to make sure that they understood that they could have banking relationships um, that would support them throughout the growth of their businesses. And so for Bank of Kansas City uh, to add the breadth of their services as well as their, I guess, their foundational um, you know, uh, weight to yep. the equation, I think was really exciting. And to me, it demonstrates a real investment that you all at Bank of Kansas City and BOK are making in the entrepreneurial committee, uh, community in Kansas City. So – I was very excited about it when it, when we heard about it, and I think it's a great statement you're making to entrepreneurs in Kansas City. Well, I appreciate that. Um, certainly, um, that that means a lot, and 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 we're hoping that resonates with folks. And it's going to be neat. You now, come Tuesday, all the signs, all the systems, that'll all be changed over. And so, uh, we've done a lot of proactive communication around all these anticipated changes. Uh, so people will see the results of that, but mm-hmm. there's also going to be a lot of other people that haven't really seen all of that, and it'll be exciting for us to be able to share with them all the all the new things that are going on. That's really cool. Uh, so t- this is this is great news, and, and this, today we're going to have Neil 
talk about uh, the growth of your company. Sure. Uh, we're going to get into your background, but first I want to read your your bio. Uh, co-founder and CEO of DEG, a trusted digital marketing partner in national and global brands. DEG is uh, consistently recognized as one of the fastest growing companies in America and one of the best places to work in the region, which is important for company culture, and was named one of Inc. Magazine's 25 companies that are changing the world. Pretty cool company. That was got, that, that's, that's kind of the intro on your company. Sure. Uh, but on today's show, I want to talk about kind of why you built it, uh, your partners, uh, the growth model. Uh, why do people, why, why is this taking off so much digital marketing? And then I want to talk to you about entrepreneurship here in town, as well as get into some of the civic issues. I know that's big to you. Sure. So uh, we have a lot to talk about. That, I look forward to it. <laughs> Michael, you're going to chime in here, too. Because and we can give out dating advice, too, if you we, want. We, we can, can do that. We can turn this into a sports we, show. We can or, do uh, that. You uh, obviously are a Kansas Mitch. grad. Yeah. So you're excited about the Jayhawks probably winning another... Uh, Nail-biter. Another uh, I, I, Big 12. Oh, Big 12. yeah. It's another Big 12 championship on the way, for and sure. And you got the tournament lined up for you with uh, being in Kansas City, the Sweet 16. I can't and wait Alita. for that either. You got everything going your yeah. way. Today, Neil Sharma, DEG, CEO and co-founder, and Michael Viazzoli, President and CEO of Bank of Kansas City. Thanks for listening to Grill Nation. We'll be right back. Running down the street like your hair's on fire. Thoughts running fast like a man on the wire. Keep them going crazy though. TV and the radio been watching since a baby, so I'm representing Casey Mo. Hello and welcome back to Grill Nation. Thanks for joining us again today, 9:80 a.m. and on podcast, iTunes, Stitcher, and at GrillNationShow.com. I'll post photos of our guests on today's show. You can also connect with me on social media at Jason Grill and at Grill Nation show on Twitter. Then I'm on Snapchat, Facebook, all the other social media handles. Just search my name, Jason Grill. Neil Sharma, CEO of DEG. The website or the Twitter handle is at DEG Digital. And uh, Neil is on Twitter at Neil USA. And Michael Vizzoli, president and CEO of Bank of Kansas City, is joining us. Great partner of the show. Always brings on A list guests like yourself, Neil, who have been successful in the entrepreneurial world and business world. Um, let's talk about your background. Uh, you went to KU, but when did this all start for you? When did you start building this business? So I actually started uh, the first iteration of uh, what was called Digital Evolution Group uh, as a freshman in college, uh, an undergrad at American University in Washington, D.C. It was kind of a dorm room operation. It was probably mid-90s with nobody. That was our connection there. You, you have a political background. I do, a little you, bit. You got a your... Little bit. You got your uh, Degree in economics, and, you know, and, law and government, yeah, and yeah. all uh, of those fun things, communications. Yeah. And I worked, I worked, I worked for. Uh, I, well, I guess I was the youngest fully salaried member of Senator Dole's '96 presidential campaign. I was 19 years old, and oh wow, uh, had an amazing experience. Still taking full 15 credit hours. I think in that was the first time I voted. Unfortunately, I voted against uh, the Dole, and that campaign. was the first time I voted as well, and I voted for him. So <laughs> you ended up on the right side of that bet, but. Uh, so, uh, so right. So I started, uh, it was a kind of a dorm room operation. I had, a, I think, an entrepreneurial bug and, um, you know, a guy on my floor came up and said, um, hey, you know, uh, this internet thing might be a thing. And uh, he was a kind of a developer. He said, do you think you could help sell and, um, you know, get some of these accounts for us? We actually uh, built the first, we took not-for-profits um, publications, whatever people were producing in books back in the mid-90s, and we were putting them online. And we, you know, I had a bunch of uh, contract employees and kids from fraternities and stuff just flooding a computer lab and wow. all like 
coding HTML to get it all online. We actually built the first website for uh, what is called Follow the Money or Open Secrets, which is that uh, you calculates. Built we built the first website. Wow. We took it from I, this big book. I, uh, I looked at it many times. Yeah, it's, over a, the it's years. gone a long way <laughs> since then. So basically, what it covers, Michael, is it covers uh, what uh, who's given money to all the congressmen. And the president. Which in the 2000s, you know, yeah. was a big deal. Oh, it's huge. Yeah. Because that info was hard to find. That, yeah. That's exactly right. It was locked up in all these big books. And so we we basically, that was our first go at it. We made a bunch of money. I mean, we made a bunch of money for, for being 19 and 18, uh, you know, to fly our, you know, girlfriends to, to Europe and break plates of our head over our heads in Greece and <laughs> run with the bulls in Pamplona. And that just, sounds just fun. We just made just stupid choices with whatever money we had largely on a plane somewhere. And um, and then Senator Dole's uh, presidential campaign came, and once they got their federal funding, which people presidential campaigns don't do anymore, but no. uh, they could uh, back when they used to get presidential, they got funding from mm-hmm. the from the, the matching funds, the matching right from yeah. the sort of checkbox. Everyone did that. Back yeah, then. that's right. And when he got that, they came up to me and said, "Do you want a, a you know a job?" And I was interning at the time, and I was my job was to brief Senator Dole, and um, I of course said yes because that's what I went to D.C. to study and. So I kind of looked at my partner at the time and said, hey, we might want to put this on ice. He's gone off to do great things. He's at a great digital agency in San Francisco. I just hung out with him not too long ago, and uh, he's doing fantastic. But uh, So we kind of put it on ice, and, and uh, I went to go work for Senator Dole. And uh, for the last three or four months of that campaign, after the convention, flew out to the convention and cool. had some amazing experiences as a student of politics then. Yeah. And- Came back to uh, uh Kansas to become a lawyer, which is what I thought I was going to be, um, and was getting my JD MBA, and it was kind of a backbencher, I guess, if you want to call that in grad school. You know, whenever a recruiter would come, everyone would swamp the recruiter and try to talk to him, and me and this other guy sat on the back row, and uh, one day in class, we got in trouble, and uh, we got an a email from our stats professor who said, I'd like to talk to you about the proper behavior in class, and Dale and I looked at each other and we said, if we're going to get in trouble, we were actually talking about business, about the Internet. It was 1998, 99. Um, if we're going to get in trouble talking about business in business school, screw this. Let's go out and do something on our own. And that was the genesis of the whole thing. So, wow. Yeah. Get in trouble in class. True today. entrepreneurial story. So uh, you started here in Kansas City. We did. And uh, how, long, how long has it been now? 2000. So we started early 2000. So 16, 17 years ago. Oh, wow. Yeah. And uh, tell us about kind of the early days. Uh, yeah. So, uh, that, how many, how big are you guys now employee wise? So we're about a 220 right around there. Wow. And, um, but, uh, yeah, I think, uh, what's interesting about it in any entrepreneur's experience is you don't know what you don't know. And so anybody who really sets off in life and tries to achieve something, they usually look, look at the, the, maybe the, the forum that they're, the arena that they're operating in and figure out, all right, here's how I win. You know, here's how, what to avoid so I don't lose. When you're in entrepreneurship, uh, it's, you're just thrown out there in a big, wide ocean. So defining the rules of winning and losing are really hard, and that's really hard for an overachiever to look at and think about um, when they're trying to win. And so what you do is you try to define little mini wins, and mostly it comes down to learning. Like, how do you learn? And so it took us a long time to really figure out our business because we, we – I mean, we didn't come out of another agency, and we didn't come out of another consultancy. And mm-hmm. um, Dale went ahead and finished his law degree. I just got my MBA. So that's all we had was what we understood from effectively skipping class a lot in grad school. And so so you don't get a lot of that kind of start. But once you get going, it truly is a snowball and just build upon your previous uh, mm-hmm. successes and, and failures and learn from them and keep going. So it took us 11 years to cross $10 million in revenue. It took us um, – 11 years. 11 Which is- years. Which is 
pretty I'm, good still. I don't I mean, know. You're like hard, like you hard on yourself. No, there, it, took, I mean, like, it took us I 11 years. You, if you cross a million dollars in revenue, are you profitable? It's <laughs> a big deal. Well, we've been profitable since inception. So that there was something. Go. I grew up in a small town in western Kansas, and I couldn't imagine starting a business and losing money because you know, your words are bond. And when you have investors that are in you, we had four angel investors who all gave us a small check to get us started. And the last thing I was ever going to do is ever – They're wa- probably pretty happy right now. They should be pretty happy. <laughs> <laughs> if they're not, I'd be surprised. And uh, so – and they're still they're still involved. But um, but uh, so anyhow, so I wasn't going to ever walk up to them and say, sorry, I lost all your money. So that, we've been profitable since day one. But in any case, it took us 11 years to cross $10 million, but it took us three years to cross 20 it took us two years to cross 30 and I told the management team about a couple of weeks ago, uh, it better take us one year to cross 50. And so, um, to cross it, 50. Yeah. So that's kind of where the snowball starts to work. And that's kind of how mm-hmm. the path really went for us. I think when we started, um, you know, I had that background from that dorm room operation before, but we needed to bring on a, a, a technical partner. It wasn't technical at all. Despite being an Indian American, I wasn't uh, highly technical, and Dale wasn't, <laughs> and uh, that's the, normally the assumption. And uh, but that's uh, why that's why I assume. Yeah, you know, right. Of course, like that some, guy must be the, the developer. Guy that's right. Super technical. Right. Or, right. Exactly. It's really hard to find an Indian American with a personality from the Midwest. It's difficult. <laughs> I have some. I have some. Yeah, good well, that's yes. right. That's right. Yeah. So it's kind of, so most people think I'm from Jersey and New York, but uh, it's not true. There's plenty of us here in the yes, Midwest. Yes, there is. Um, in any case, so we started it. I kind of led sales. Dale led. Uh, Kind of, the, he was the CFO. He is the CFO of the company, and then we hired a guy named Just Vindajit Singh, who was the guru at the student uh, at the school of business at KU, and he was our technical partner. Mm-hmm. Right off the bat, we had that was the three of us. We had a great hire right off the bat. His dad invented the boogie board. Oh wow! Kid you not? Uh, he was kind of the prodigal son of the of this of this surfer who still surfs in his eighties. It's just amazing <laughs> out in California, and he is this amazing developer. So unlike Singh, who is the third partner. Um, Sky, Maury, um, came on. Sky didn't have any of the classical education Singh had. Singh has like four degrees and uh, can code in five languages and speak in three or four. I mean, he's just brilliant, an amazing human being as well. And that was kind of our core group. And mm-hmm. a, a couple of years later, we added on a, a head of sales um, who came on. These guys are all my partners now, so all five of us are principals in the company. And Jeff Still Eden, there, huh? Jeff Eden is a rainmaker in our organization, has been tremendous in the growth. And that was it. It was like the five so of us. Did you guys, did you guys have one big client kind of that, that, no, that you started know, your business? And I think that's really good. We didn't. I call them sugar daddies. We n- didn't have – and our first client was Dale's mom's antique business. I kid you not. Mm-hmm. And uh, our first complex client was a small accounting firm out of uh, Lawrence. I mean we really didn't have the, the kind of sugar daddy client that kept us going. And I think that's actually was really important because it was baptism by fire. We didn't have the ability – we had to really learn how to hustle and keep a lot of people happy at once. Uh, and as our company grows and, you know, you have certain clients that are a little bit larger in your mix, um, you get a lot of efficiencies because we've already learned mm-hmm. how to build uh, the business with, you know, dozens upon dozens of clients. And so I think that was really good to kind of uh, test our metal and train us in, in, in making sure that we understood how to, how to grow and serve clients without having to depend on the economies of scale you might get with one particular client. Mm-hmm. Um, give us a quick overview of what you guys do. Yeah. Uh, you know, obviously it's, it's very competitive space. It is. It is. I, we're a little different in that we are, we consider ourselves a full service digital agency, but given our history, largely technical for the first, easily the first decade, and then started to grow more and more into the marketing and advertising side of the house. Uh, what we really do is what we call the creative application of technology. So we understand not only where technology is, but the implications of where it's going to go. 
and we apply that to clients' marketing and advertising goals. Mm-hmm. And so what, what, what's different with us is unlike a traditional agency where you have a lot of account, maybe you have um, – obviously you have creative, um, but you don't necessarily – and you may have a little bit of strategy, but you don't necessarily have the technical uh, breadth and depth that we have got. And unlike a traditional consulting firm, uh, which is um, you know largely aligned with technology out of the gate, mm-hmm. they don't have the you know motion graphics, the video, the copy, the art – um, the kind of creative expertise that we have as well. Okay. So what's interesting about what's happening in our business is all advertising is becoming digital. And uh, so they're trying to move over to the, the kind of more technical side. Yep. And all these consulting firms, because they've supply chained out the world now, right? And all the all the supply chain guys are retiring, the CEO, the COO, the CFO, the CMO, Chief yep. Marketing Officer, and the CIO, where our two customers are ascendant, Right. So all these consulting firms are going after the demand side of the equation because the supply chain is over. And so mm. they're all moving towards each other, and we've been happily stuck in the middle. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Neil yeah. Sharma, D-E-G, com is the website. Uh, mouthful there. I, uh, I'm excited to have you back after the break. I want to talk about entrepreneurship here in Kansas City and, and your involvement in that. Sounds great. We'll be right back on Grill Nation. First things first, I'm the realest. Realest. Drop this and let the whole world feel it. Let them feel it. And I'm still in the murder business. I can hold you down like I'm giving lessons in physics. Right, right. I just want to chill. Got a sack for us to roll. Married to the money. Introduced her to my stove. Showed her how to whip and now she remix it for low. She my track queen. Let Welcome back to the Grill Nation show with Jason Grill. Thanks again for listening today. We've had a lot of fun so far on and off air. Um, back with Neil Sharma, CEO and co-founder of DEG, and Michael Viazoli, president and CEO of Bank of Kansas City. Uh, we've talked a lot about your business. Uh, we've talked a lot about all the things that went into to growing it, but uh, let's talk about entrepreneurship now. Um what what have you seen in Kansas City? Because I know you've been involved. Yeah, uh, we've had a really large impact with entrepreneurship the last five or so years, and uh, I'm sure that helps your business absolutely. As far as a tech perspective, sure. and getting talent, um, talk about that. What have you seen? Well, I think you got the timing absolutely right. The last five or six years, I think, have been really pivotal and changing how Kansas City views itself. When we started the business in 2000, I think Kansas City largely had. I, the only way I could describe it is kind of an inferiority complex about mm-hmm. itself, right? Mm-hmm. It didn't feel like it was quite any of the other cities around it. It didn't quite have um, um, kind of the, the kind of intrinsic pride it needed to, to to get its footing. But there were a lot of great and interesting things that were happening. Some some of the businesses blew up, certainly, but some of the businesses uh, continue to take off. I mean, obviously, you can just can't pass a Cerner campus without understanding that the last 15 years for them have been tremendous, right? Mm-hmm. And so when you start and look at where we are now, I think we finally have a lot of swagger. You know, right. I mean, folks are proud. And I think that has something to do with the mayor, too. Oh, sure. To dis- like or dislike politics. Sure. Uh, he's a good uh, person to go out there and, and, and thump the chest. I, I Around totally Around the country. Agree. I mean, I've worked with a lot of mayors, and there's certain mayors out there. The Louisville mayor is another guy. Sure. Uh, that really kind of are, are happy, proud of their city, really promote their city. Uh, well, I think is, that helps too. It's just from a uh, psychological point of view. No, I, I could not. Uh, I could not disagree. And I, I think that you know, Sly is the, really the right guy for the moment for us. Mm-hmm. I mean, in in when we finally felt proud enough to thump our chest. But I would say a lot of credit goes to his 
predecessor, two predecessors ago, thank, two mayors ago. Thank you. Yeah. I thought you were going to say Funkhouser. <laughs> no, yeah. jumping over Funkhouser. This became K-Barnes. a political conversation. K-Barnes, right, right, Mayor Barnes, right. Yeah. And I think at the same time on the Kansas side, uh, Marinovich was a wonderful uh, contribution. And immediately right after her, Mayor Reardon was a, was a wonderful contribution. So we had a really great leadership right at that critical time, right mm-hmm. when Kansas City was getting uh, its swagger. And I think then right when we got to that point, a lot of great things happened. You had – you know, sporting win the championship. You had the Royals get to the World Series. You had, you know, you had all these kind of civic pride things yeah. start to happen. And Kansas City, I think, is at this point where our best days are still very clearly in front of us, but we feel like we have the uh, we we feel like we deserve it and mm-hmm. uh, and ought to go get it. And uh, and there's a lot of swagger in our step now that we didn't have before. So what's next then on that front? Uh, what, what, what's the next things we need to accomplish? Yeah, we need some big, bigger wins. You know, uh, Toby Rush and I verifies acquisition by Alibaba. Over 100 million. Just amazing story. Uh, yeah. He's an amazing entrepreneur. I mean, this isn't his first win. This is obviously a huge win, but isn't uh, his first win. But, you know, having uh, Alibaba's first, uh, you know, U.S. acquisition be right here in Kansas City is tremendous to the technology community and the startup community here. Mm-hmm. Uh, it says a lot about Toby, but it, it's the right kind of boost at, again, the right time. I think it's all, a lot of life is about timing. You know, if you look at what Davion is doing over at Shot, Verif- uh, uh, Shot Tracker, mm-hmm. um, is tremendous too. I mean, here's a guy who's getting, uh, NBA greats to invest in his business. Magic Johnson, in, uh, the uh, Stern. He's got right. Clay Thompson. Clay Thompson, right, exactly. So it's, it's just a tremendous, uh, light that we're shining on Kansas City. And when you look at both those entrepreneurs, both those guys have plenty of chances to leave this town. A lot of us have plenty of chances to leave this town, and they're so committed to this entrepreneurial community, and they're so committed to this town, um, and that makes all the difference in the world. Mm-hmm. And so I think a lot of these things are sort of coming together in the right way at the right time, and our and our belief in ourselves is very much there. And as you point out, our leadership's there to help us uh, thump our chest a little bit. And so all of that's just the right the right ingredients in the soup. If I if I had to say kind of what we need uh, is we need a few more wins like that. Um, and we need a few more folks uh, reinvesting. And I'll, you know, I'll say the other one. I mean, the Archer Foundation, what they're doing over there is amazing. Dave Cummings uh, at, at uh, BATS, uh, Trade Bot, of course, but then also at BATS. And these are big wins. I mean, the, if the second or third most busiest stock exchange in the country is in Kansas City. I mean, it's amazing, <laughs> yeah, right? It's, right? it's just, yeah, it's unbelievable. So what we need, I think, is to bring a lot of these fragmented um, – groups together. Uh, I was just at a, a, a kind of a board meeting for a board I sat on and we were talking about uh, entrepreneurial events in Kansas City. Someone from the outside wanted to br- bring an entrepreneurial event in Kansas City and me and this other gentleman looked at each other and said, look, there are events every week. Yeah, there's I mean, a lot of resources. There's, there's a lot of things, of things happening, right? So we don't need yet another event. I mean, there are events every single week and because we are the biggest small town in America, you see a lot of people who are who are not um, who are integrated into those communities and they are present. You see them at, at many of the events. I think what we need is a slightly uh, better degree of coordination around it, and I think we have to uh, try to do our best to elevate uh, as much as possible uh, mm-hmm. um, through shows like this, but also um, just telling the story back to ourselves uh, more often and in kind of a more organized way. Startland does a great job of that, and a few of the other publications in town do a good job of that. Business Journal does a great job of highlighting as much as they can. They really have. Yeah. And I mean, then they stepped up in and, what, and I'm in the media world. So that is that they're almost, almost more of a go-to nowadays. Let's be clear. Clients in the, the star has been. Let's lately. be clear. Like what Stacy has done and what Brian Caberline and what Russell Gray have done in the environment where there has been, with all due respect to the star, a vacuum of uh, really 
hard news uh, and, frankly, hard news plus breaking news, news, like what news really is. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the business community, the Business Journal's really stepped up in a tremendous way. Mm-hmm. And so I think re- reiterating that story, I mean, telling that story back to us is going to be critical in a in a more coordinated way. And I think that's the next step. I mean, there's a lot of activity, mm-hmm. um, but we've got to change a lot of that busyness to business. Uh, and then we've got to continue to attract outside attention to this town. Mm-hmm. Um, how, yeah. how does that affect you guys, Michael? Well, I was just because- thinking, I, I absolutely agree on a lot of things that Neil was saying. I, and I've been, I've been here close to 20 years now. And, and, and let's be clear. You've come from the West coast, right? Right. Which, right. which a lot of people uh, LA, don't but- like, don't like to leave. Well, By the way, true. I'm going. I'm going out there in March. I'm excited. Good. Yeah, running the, running the LA, LA Marathon. All right. Are you? Yes. I'm okay. spending the weekend out there. That's nice. Great. Of course. Of course, on the beach, Michael. Uh, that's, uh, a, that's, a, that's a good place to be. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but uh, but on the topic of just overall spirit of our community, I remember 20 years ago trying to go. I was downtown Kansas City and wanted to go out for a sandwich. And I first noticed there's like no traffic in the streets, and then I couldn't think of a single place to get a good sandwich. And now it's just there's tons I mean, of billions of dollars of investment. And then I remember I was in a program up in Chicago for a couple of years while I was still working. And I remember just every week there'd be some news about Kansas city or some news about a, a company. And there was even uh, on HBO had, they were tracking the chiefs. I forget the, what the name of that show was. And my constant theme was all roads lead back to Kansas city. I mean, I just kept hammering this home, hammering this home. And now you see kind of overall spirit and pride that we have in our community. But on this topic of entrepreneurism, I see it as well from a, from a different angle. I, I see it from a, either as a frustrated banker who's envious of other entrepreneurs, or I see it from someone who's either civically engaged or from a financing perspective. And I saw it like within the Bank Kansas City framework, but now with MoBank, it's every day. It's all day long. And I see new ventures constantly coming up. I see people who have got a liquidity event that are rolling back into other ventures. I see different entrepreneurs teaming up on new ventures. And as, and as well, I just, and it's a theme that I'm working on for Kansas City Area Development Council. My word is we've got this ecosystem around entrepreneurism. You've got people who have been entrepreneurs have been successful reinvesting. You got people in big corporates that are mentoring. You see people that just want an opportunity invest in for, for, for the sake of investing. You've got all these different, I don't know what the difference is between an incubator and accelerator and all those different types of things, but just a tremendous amount of resources. Of course you have the Coffin foundation making their work. Um, the chambers got a big five initiative. I mean, all those things are just really, really feeding into this continuous cycle. And I think you, you said something that I think is really important with respect to an ecosystem. So I used to talk a lot about what the last mile of eco, an ecosystem required. Mm-hmm. And I really advocated a lot about stewardship mm-hmm. from the larger companies to the smaller companies. Yep. And, um, and I would say, you know, that's the, that's the piece that's missing in Kansas city from a, from a structural component to the ecosystem. Mm-hmm. Again, I think the biggest thing that the, the, the point I'd, I'd reiterate over and over again is, and I'm paraphrasing, I think Mark Twain or, well, you set your sail. Once you set your sail, the rest kind of, um, you know, kind of follows, right? Mm-hmm. And we just had to set our mind right that we could do it, we deserve to do it, and uh, and we're winning at it, and um, and we did, and we've got this confidence uh, uh, that we haven't seen. I mean, those of us who've been around the business community for a while now. I mean, the last five years have been remarkable. But 
the ecosystem lacked this stu- this this component, which is this component of stewardship. These mm-hmm. larger companies, kind of really kind of working with these smaller companies. I was on a panel not too long ago, and I said, you know what? We have a lot of capital here in this town. We do yep. latent capital. We've got a lot of entrepreneurship energy, entrepreneurship energy in here. But what we really need more than anything, what what a startup really needs is their first customer. Yep. And what would be really fantastic is for a lot of these larger companies to really pick up their first customer um, right here and help these these or, or be the first customer to a lot of these startups. Right. And and that is really what changes everything for them. They get the logo, they get to move, and they they're they're moving forward. I've seen that in the last two years more than I've seen it in the last 15 combined Good. with these large organizations really reaching out to the entrepreneurial community and that last mile of, um, of stewardship. If you go to Silicon Valley, when it really started to connect, right, when Steve Jobs needed something to move the cursor on the first Macintosh, right, he brought in two industrial designers and said, look, I saw this thing at Xerox Park. I need this cursor to move around. And those two guys, in effect, invented the mouse. And along the way, they invented the mouse, they invented the world's best industrial design firm, which is IDEO, right? That was stewardship. That was Apple. They already made the name for themselves yeah. reaching out to somebody. And that's what we needed. We have one of the best content companies in this in the country, in Hallmark, one of the best information technology companies in, in this country, in um, in Cerner, sure. um, G, the GPS pioneer in Garmin. Um, got it all. It's great. Got a lot of, yeah. got a lot of fun stuff happening here. Uh, we right back after the break. We're going to do one last segment here with Neil Sharma and Michael Buzel. I turn the music up, I got my records on, I shut the world outside until the lights come on. Welcome back, Grill Nation with Jason Grill. Thank you again for joining us. Connect with me on Twitter at Jason Grill. We're listening. You're listening to 980 AM and iTunes today. Uh, been a great show, guys. Uh, Neil Sharma, CEO and co-founder of DEG, and Michael Viazzoli, president and CEO of Bank of Kansas City. Interesting conversations throughout the show. For sure. For sure. Um, first off, before we get into civic engagement, because that's important to you, Neil, uh, talk to me about one of the things that you tell entrepreneurs about winning and learning. Yeah, you know, I think there's a big conversation just going off our last conversation about Kansas City and how Kansas City doesn't really do well with failure. And I think, I think that's, I, I think that's kind of, I, I get it because we are, we are folks that have, have had tremendous entrepreneurial stories, the three we mentioned at the end of the last segment, but also prior to that, if you just look around from H&R Block to, to Marion Labs, I mean, it's just a tremendous entrepreneurial town. So we have to obviously be okay at mm-hmm. failure. We're just better at winning. Right. And so that's uh, and we handle it better. But I think it really comes down to what you class as a failure. And I think entrepreneurs, in fact, everybody, in my view, ought to be looking at failure as only those instances in life where you don't learn from whatever happened. And so uh, I was asked not too long ago about, you know, do I fail or can we could we talk about the last time uh, that the DEG has failed? And my response was uh, we don't fail. We either win uh, or we learn. And the only time we fail is if we don't learn from whatever the mistake was or whatever happened. Mm-hmm. So we look at it in those contexts. There will be hiccups along the way. We don't do everything right all the time. We make right 100% of the time, but we don't do everything right um, uh, all the time. And so it, learning from that is critical to the advancement of that snowball we talked in the earlier segment of making sure you're building upon everything you did before or the day before and and keep that snowball moving. And so um, – I try to focus our folks in a very entrepreneurially driven uh, company, and I um, 
and I like to really talk to other entrepreneurs that way about uh, about focusing on what they can change, what they can do, what they can learn from whatever might be happening, mm-hmm. um, and then go out and win. Good feedback there. One thing Mark. I was going to add is when a lot of times when people talk about entrepreneurism and the topic of risk or failure, mm-hmm. people look at it as binary. You're either going to be successful or you're going to be failure. And certainly what I've seen is an evolution of people getting a lot more comfortable with taking on risk. Right. And different people are at different points in that pendulum. But I think we're getting a whole lot more comfortable with this idea of risk. We've now seen some areas of success of taking risk and what that means. Um, and you don't hear a whole lot about the failures. Um, but I think people recognize that are more comfortable with that idea, but they understand there's this gray area that we need to walk in. Oh, I think that's right. And I think, I think, look, Kansas city is going to be less patient with uh, an entrepreneur or anyone who's dismissive of the mistake or the lesson that needs to be learned as well. So I'm not suggesting, you know, that you kind of brush it off and keep going, but I think, I think you got to learn from it. Right. And you got to get a look at it, see what we could do better and how we can improve but you can't wallow in it, right? You can't just live right. there. Uh, you got to move on to the next day. I once saw Trent Green uh, speak on a panel, and um, and he also he always would focus his uh, huddle back on the next snap. He'd get sacked. He'd get everyone together and say, okay, next snap. Just focus on the next snap. And I think that's the same kind of attitude we're talking about with respect to risk is try it, yeah. right? You miss every shot, you don't try. That's a cliche, but it's true. And if you don't win, go win because winning is important. But if you don't win, right, learn from whatever happened. Right. And pick it up and win the next day. I love it, guys. Um, Neil, civic uh, involvement advancement is important to you. You're on the board of Alliance for Childhood Education, involved with KC Rising uh, and do some other things here in town. Real briefly, talk to us about what Alliance for Childhood Education is. Yeah, the Alliance for Childhood Education is really focused on uh, education reform in both the state of Kansas and Missouri. So it's uh, it's a by state effort Uh, and it's really focused on bringing some core principles and how we look at, uh, at our early childhood education all the way mm-hmm. uh, to post-secondary education. Uh, and we have some core principles, principles of accountability, of transparency, of innovation, uh, but most importantly, I would say, of focusing on the right answers for the child, focusing all the ed reform efforts on the child. So we sponsored a very big effort that did not succeed uh, in the Missouri side uh, but really to find a funding mechanism for um, universal pre-K in the state of Missouri. Uh, that has failed uh, multiple times before, and we've gotten, we got a lot further along than um, others have. And my answer to folks uh, one way or my, who ask, you know, why, why should this funding mechanism be the mechanism versus the other? My answer is always you're either going to let another generation of kids um, not get the childhood education that they need, mm-hmm. which is what sets them up for success in the rest of their K through 12 is what happens from the age of two to five, anybody who's been a parent knows that the brain, they can watch the brain expand. And they'll watch how much that, that, mm-hmm. that toddler, two to five, two to five soaks up. And so we really wanted to try to bring universal pre-K to Missouri, and we're still going to try that. Um, in Kansas, the budget situation is what it is. I think more than anything, what we're trying to do is make sure there aren't further cuts or damage uh, to uh, education in Kansas. In particular, the SIF fund, which is a fund that was funded by the tobacco settlement money, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, we stand against getting that cut any further. That's what that was there for children, um, and so we're really trying to push that. But what we're now going to start to expand is how do we do things programmatically? How do we do things in the Kansas City community? But how do we really try to change the landscape by taking some of those ideals and applying them forward? So accountability, transparency, innovation, and most most above everything, focusing on that on mm-hmm. that child. And KC Rising is a uh, a venture fund. 
Uh, no, it is. It is. Well, that came out of the Casey Rising effort. So Casey Rising was put together after the Brookings Institute said that no matter all the good work that we've done, and we've done a tremendous amount of good work over the last five years, we're being uh, – at this pace, we could be left behind by the economic recovery mm-hmm. uh, that the United States has been uh, um, experiencing. And so it was pulled together. Um, Scott Smith, Doug Durad uh, are chairing it. It's pulled together to find and write effectively a business plan uh, for Kansas City that has some signature initiatives across three major areas, but also um, uh, so also a bunch of initiatives that fall out of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, there are a lot of efforts focused on the people or, uh, arena. Uh, there's a lot of efforts focused on domain expertise. There's like where we have strength, engineering and, and architecture, for example, is one area. Um, and there's a lot of efforts around innovation. And one of the initiatives that came out of innovation was the fund. Was the fund. Okay. And so Darcy Howe led a fund. And this really gets back to this question or this point about risk that Michael brought up. One of the things we've seen in kind of venture investing in Kansas City for startups is that a lot of folks are not sort of familiar or used to making this kind of big bet venture investments in Kansas City. There are a few folks we all know in town that do it, but they're often the same folks. And so what Darcy's idea was, or the idea that came out of that group was to have a sidecar fund that would invest alongside these these uh, venture capital companies who did all the due diligence and sort of vetted the companies and gave folks, uh, passive investors, an opportunity to get into well-vetted uh, uh, by venture capitalists, well-vetted startup companies that they can help be a part of as part of their investment uh, portfolio. Great idea. She's had been remarkably successful Focus on Kansas City companies and focus on venture investing in Kansas City companies. I mean, the latest greatest example of that is Bloom, yep. which just closed a nine, you know, more Over than nine, nine million, million series yeah. B round, and they're one of the fastest growing, I guess, robo investors that are out there. Again, right here in, in yeah, I think the fund's got about four or five investments now. That's right. I mean, they've done some really neat work. Exactly right. Yep. We're right out of time here, guys. Oh, Next generation of Kansas City, you're excited about it? Yeah, you know, I think, like I said, you know, they've got the kind of swagger that, that uh, we need, but what they haven't necessarily been indoctrinated with is what you see in a lot of the established families in any big city, uh, which is the sense of noblesse oblige, this idea that to whom much is given, much is expected. We do a pretty good job of that as parents. I try to do that with my kids, but as a community – Um, A lot of these established families who recognize that the community had given them so much really instilled in their children what they had to do to give back. And that's what you see in the halls. And that's what you see in the Kempers. Um, And we are lucky as a community to have them. We need to do a better job of organizing that around the next generation of folks who could be involved uh, civically. This notion of too much is given, much is expected. I love it. Neil Sharma, CEO, DEG. DEGdigital.com. Michael Viazzoli, Bank of Kansas City, President and CEO, Bank of Kansas City.com. Thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having us. Great, Thank great you. conversation. Can't wait to do it again. It'll be a lot of fun. Thanks for listening. Thanks for joining us today on Grill Nation. We'll see you again soon. Take care. Have a good one. Hey!